the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Three, three, eight. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things The Lord of Lord and King of Kings You know the one you never knew While you have breath You have a choice to make in life Turn away from your sin Amen And believe on the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment that's to come He is the shelter from the coming storm All creation shakes at the mention of his name He has power over life and death Every knee will bow and tongue confess Heaven and earth will proclaim That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of the Father Will you bow, will you surrender To his majesty He can save you from the might Of all your sin the fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life turn away from your sin and believe on the risen Christ. 
you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come Sheltered from the coming storm. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ. You can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. I was driving on Prince William County Parkway. I was late. I had a breakfast appointment at Panera's. I looked up in the rearview mirror and there I saw a motorcycle policeman with his lights flashing. I pulled off and he promptly wrote me a ticket and said, because you were going 12 miles over the speed limit, you're going to have to appear in court. Well, I was not a happy camper. I knew that going to court was going to take time and energy. Time and energy I didn't feel I had. I didn't have a choice. I was summoned to court. Had I not gone to court, they would have sent a bailiff after me and they would have, they would have arrested me and taken me. It was just a speeding ticket. I sat in that courtroom that morning for several hours waiting for my name to be called. And when it was finally called, the judge looked at me and said, Sir, do you plead guilty or not guilty? I said, Sir, I am guilty as charged. He said, I see from your record that it's clean. I don't want this to remain on your record, so I have an option for you. You can either pay the fine and have this inserted into your driving record, or you can go to driving school. It's online on computer. I said, I'll take the driving school. Thank you very much. I went and paid the small court costs and left that courthouse. Now, what if you were charged with a capital crime, the penalty for which 
was death. And you said, I don't think so. I don't believe that. Well, had I not believed the ticket I received, would that have meant I didn't receive the ticket? If I said, I'm not going to court, this is just foolishness, would that have kept me out of trouble with Prince William County? No. You see, what I think does not establish reality. Reality is separate from what I think. So what if you say, Pastor, I have not committed any capital crimes. I'm innocent. I'm free to live any way I choose. Does that mean you're free to live any way you choose? The Mennonite Church has just voted to approve pastors performing same-sex marriage. You could have knocked me over with a feather. Here's a conservative, wonderful church bowing the knee and saying it doesn't really matter. But you know what? The Mennonite church doesn't get to make that decision. They can say whatever they want to say, but there is a God in heaven who will make the final call on guilty or not guilty. So today you can say, there's no judgment, and I don't like that opening song you're using, Pastor. And some people have said to me, Pastor, I don't like that song. Well, it's not a favorite of mine either, but it's reality. And so I'm using it as a theme song right now because we face the reality of judgment. And I entitled this broadcast today, Can You Be Saved from the Wrath of God? Now you can think that there is no wrath of God against you. You can believe that with all of your heart and you can go on shacking up with whomever you want to shack up with. You can go on drinking and drugging. You can go on stealing. You can go on doing whatever you want to do. But a day of judgment is coming and you will appear before that judgment bar if you choose not to appear, you will be forcibly brought before that judgment bar and you will answer for your behavior, what you have done, what you have said, what you have thought. You will answer to Almighty God for who you are. This is not game time. This is reality time. So yes, when I was a little boy before the age of accountability, I was already telling lies. I was already stealing candy from my mama's dresser. I was already fighting with my brother, angrily shouting nasty words at him, kicking and punching. 
I was born a sinner. I quickly proved it. Now, no man or woman is going to be judged because of Adam's sin. I will be judged by my own behavior. I wish that adults in my life had been much clearer with me about my accountability before God. The preachers were entertaining, but frankly, they were kind of mealy-mouthed. I never had a preacher sit down with me and say, Raymond, you need to understand. You are accountable before God for the way you treat your brother. And what you say under your breath when your dad punishes you, you are responsible for yourself, Raymond, and the day will come when you will stand before the judge of all the earth. And you cannot be saved from God's wrath as you are now. There is going to have to be a significant and total change in your character. For you have a character that will take you straight to hell. I wish someone had said that to me as a child. Oh, they talked about you have an angel. Every little boy and every little girl has an angel. What they didn't tell me is that kind little romanticized angel was recording everything I said and did and thought. And I would be accountable in the day of judgment before an almighty God. And I'd already sinned enough by the time I was of age to have caused me to be cast into hell. We take very lightly this issue of God's wrath. I want to read a scripture for you. I want to show you something that is exceedingly troublesome to my heart. It's found in Romans, the fifth chapter. I'll begin reading with verse 6. For while we were still weak, that is, while we were still sinners, Christ in due time died in behalf of the ungodly. Ungodly simply means not like God. Full of wickedness, full of pride, arrogance. Full of everything the devil could bring to me on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For hardly will anyone die in behalf of a righteous man. For in behalf of the good man, perhaps someone even dares to die. But God confirms in his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. By much, by much more than having. Now let me read that carefully for you. I'm reading from the Lavender Bible. It's a literal translation. This is verse 9. By much more than 
having now been made righteous by means of his blood, we shall be saved through him from the wrath of God. Well, if you look at the NIV, or you look at the King James translation of the Bible, it will say, we have been justified by means of his blood. That word has deceived so many of you because you believe that the word justified means a legal forgiveness where God forgives you and your sin is not counted against you. And so you're good to go. And you believe that you will always continue to walk in sin, but he's justified you. He's, he's passed a legal declaration that you are not guilty. Now, if, if I loan you $5,000 and you agree to pay it back at a certain time and that time comes and you don't pay it back, and I say to you, I recognize you're not going to be able to pay that back, and so I forgive you. What have I done? I have legally released you from your not repaying the $5,000. I have changed my position. I had the position that I loaned you this money and I expect you to give it back to me. But if I forgive you, I have changed my expectation of you and I now do not expect you to be able to pay it back and so I set you free. But what have I done to you? Have I changed you? No, I've not changed you at all. I've changed myself. So let me ask, if you sin against Almighty God, and all of you have, as I have, and Jesus comes and sheds his blood and he says, now, I forgive you, I justify you, what has happened? Has God changed his position toward me because of what Jesus did on Calvary's tree? Is that what's happened? And now I'm free to continue living the best way I can live as I decide and I'm in charge of my life? No. Absolutely no. When Jesus forgives us, when Jesus justifies us, he also makes us righteous in reality. There is a total change of character. There is a total change the way I think and the way I live. There's a total change in God's expectation toward me because now he expects me not to go to judgment and be condemned to death. He expects me to live righteous, clean, pure. 
See, the word in the Greek for forgive is aphime, meaning to lift up off of. So when Jesus forgives me for my debt, he lifts up off of me that obligation of the debt, but he also lifts up off of me the desire to cheat, the desire to lie, the desire to steal. He doesn't just make a legal judgment that changes his attitude. He changes me and makes me holy and righteous. So, let me read this for you again. God confirms his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. By much more than having now been made righteous by means of his blood, we shall be saved through him from the wrath of God. For if while being enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoicing in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received the reconciliation. Well, let me ask again, what does the word reconciliation mean? I learned in my accounting class way back in high school that reconciliation means I balance the checkbook until what my checkbook says I have in the account, the bank also says I have in my account. And if there's a disagreement between my checkbook and the bank, I have to find out where the disagreement is. I have to know how much money I have in my checking account or I'll overdraw the account. We received from God the gift of reconciliation. That is, being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Stay with me. We're going to go into some deep water today. I have been talking with people, a number of people, who say to me, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. But pastor, I just can't stop sinning. I'm discouraged. I have failed in every attempt to live a righteous life. An innocent life. That's what righteous means. It means innocent. I failed, Pastor, in every attempt I've made. I keep going back and doing the same thing over. I keep yelling at the kids. I keep arguing with my husband or my wife. I keep whatever. The glory of God is that, yes, his wrath is against you and his wrath is coming upon you unless you take his way of escape 
and his way of escape is not to simply say, you're justified, I forgive you, now go and live your life. No, no, Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. He said to the man at the pool of Bethesda after he'd healed him, go and stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Look, Jesus did not die for some sentimental reason. Some of you still do not believe. But whether you believe in Jesus or not will not matter on the day when the judgment is set. You will appear before the judgment bar of God. And you will be held accountable for your behavior, whether wicked or righteous. I can show you that many places in the scriptures. Those who say to you that you are loved, you cannot lose your salvation, you are a part of the kingdom of God because you received Jesus Christ. You said, I'm a sinner. I repent. And now I can continue walking in my sin. People who say that are liars. And they will stand before the judgment bar of God. So my recommendation is search the scriptures earnestly for yourself. Look deeply into them. And for that reason, we come to chapter 6 of the book of Romans. Now, I've talked about this many times, but there are several things I want you to see today. What then shall we say? Continue in sin so that the grace may become more and more? Certainly not. We who died to sin, how shall we live in it any longer? The assumption that Paul is making here is that a Christian does not continue to sin. If that is not your belief, you are in direct disagreement with Jesus and you are in direct disagreement with the Apostle Paul. Not a safe place to be. But what you say, I can't do it. It's impossible for me. I've tried. I can't do it. I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. I'm down. Okay, stay with me. I want to show you something today that if you grab a hold of will change your life. Verse 3, Or are you ignorant that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I don't believe this is talking about a water baptism. I believe this is talking about a Holy Spirit baptism where you are brought into the death of Jesus. Really, we were buried together with him by the means of baptism into the death that just as Christ was raised out from among dead men by the glory of the Father, we also may walk around in the newness of life. Oh, now. Now we need to deal, don't we? There is a death. There is a crucifixion. 
that you must face. You're not going to be able to stand before the judgment bar of God with some sentimental belief that you love Jesus and he loves you. It's not going to work. If Jesus has truly justified you, if he has forgiven your sins, if he has made you righteous, you're no longer walking in failure, in defeat, and in sin. And if you are, there is a very fundamental problem. And that is that you have still maintained your life and have not entered fully into the death of Jesus. You still think you can keep some space for you and you can go to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You can take what is good from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and you can still follow Jesus. Wrong. It won't work. At the judgment bar of God, the Lord is going to ask the question about, is this person still full of themselves? Are they still focused on what they can get and what they want? I had a man call me probably 15 times yesterday and again today many times, and I still haven't taken his call. Why? Well, because I know what he's going to ask me to do. He's going to ask me to pray for his health. He's going to ask me to pray for his success at work. He's going to ask me for the success of his and healing of his mother and father. He has a whole list of things he wants from God. Well, God isn't the one who doles out all of these gifts. He first requires that we enter into a death where we forget about ourselves and our wants and our desires, and we begin to think instead about what does Jesus want here? What does Jesus want me to do at work? What does Jesus want to do in my heart? And how can I serve him? Not how can I make Jesus serve me? Jesus is not some Santa Claus in the sky. He's not there to pass out presents. That's not who Jesus is. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to show you something. Verse 5. If we've been united in the similarity of his death, then we shall also be united in the similarity of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. So when someone comes to me and they say, Pastor, I just can't overcome this pornography. I can't overcome, Pastor, this lust in my heart. I can't overcome this cursing. I can't overcome this lying. I can't overcome. I can't overcome. Ah, oh, now I know. 
you're still alive. You're still walking around in the flesh. You've not yet been crucified with Christ. You're going to have to die. Well, Pastor, I want to hold on to this wonderful relationship I have with Jesus, and then I want to hold on to my love for the television shows that I want to watch. And I want to hold on to the games I want to play. And I want to hold on to the recreation or the, or the uh, entertainment of my day. Oh, come on, pastor, as one man said to me. There's nothing wrong with watching the Redskins. There's nothing wrong with going to a game. Come on. There's nothing wrong with eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is there? Ask Eve that question. Ask Adam that question. Uh, maybe you might want to ask Abel that question. It was over that question that he was murdered. You see, we have lived with such looseness, with no fear of God, no fear of the judgment of God that we think we're in charge of our life. We can go where we please. We can do what we please. I'm going through a, a rather difficult time right now over one issue in my life. My wife and I went through a five-day water fast recently. We began to be convicted that we had to have a, a weight loss. And then we began totally cutting all sugar from our diets. That includes bread, pasta, rice. Cutting all sugar from our diet wow that's been that's been difficult you know what it required my dying to my desire for those candies those desserts especially rhubarb pie I love no more because as I've read the evidence, I've seen in my own body and I see in the scientific evidence that sugar is poison to your body. We have an epidemic in our nation of type 2 diabetes. Now, I'm not a doctor and I can't give medical advice, but I can give spiritual advice. I can tell you this that if you're eating sugar, your mind is going to be clouded and you are not going to be able to understand many things that are necessary for you to understand in order to submit and be crucified with Christ. Your mind will be seared. It'll be filled with fog. Now, when you make the decision finally and say, okay, no more sugar. I'm done. I'm finished. 
suddenly dramatic things begin to happen in your body. Your body begins to heal itself under the power of God. You begin to lose that weight that has been holding you down and draining your life forces and your energy. Please, let me, let me read another passage of Scripture to you. But if we died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised out from among dead men, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For in that he died, he died with reference to sin once and for all. But in that he lives, he lives with respect to God. So you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to go back now, and I'll bring this all together just a moment. In verse 6, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin. Now, let me be very clear with you. There are a number of words that could have been used in the Greek instead of the word destroyed. It says the body of sin may be destroyed. It could have have been that Paul might have said might be repressed, held down, controlled. That's not what Paul said. The word in the Greek here is literally destroyed. The old man is destroyed. How? By being crucified with Christ. Pastor, I just can't control my tongue. I'm always saying things I shouldn't be saying. Right. You need to die to that. You need to cry out to the Lord about that until the victory is won. Now, verse 11. So also you must think yourselves to be dead to sin. In other words, there's a new way of thinking that must begin to happen in your heart so that you have been crucified with Christ and you now say, I have the victory in Jesus Christ. I can now enter into his joy and his peace and his love. I have the victory. I'm no longer the same man. I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. I have the victory. And now instead of thinking, oh, I'm struggling and I just can't gain the victory. No, you go to the cross. You are crucified with Christ. So many people want to stay kneeling at the cross, confessing their sin, and then going back and living their wicked life. That's not what we're called to do. There is a crucifixion, and then we go through the cross, and there is a resurrection 
And in the resurrection, we think differently. We now say, I have the victory. Now we can rejoice and we can shout and we can praise God with with full-throated roars. We can say, Jesus, I love you. I have the victory in your mighty name. See, many times with Christian groups, I've called them to pray. And I found they couldn't really pray. Why? Because they didn't have the victory. Why? Because they had not yet been fully crucified with Christ Jesus. And this is a crucifixion that Jesus himself must do. We'll deal with that tomorrow out of the book of Colossians and Galatians. We don't circumcise our own hearts. We are circumcised by Jesus Christ as a gift of grace and mercy. But we must come willing and saying, I lay my life on this altar and I die to me. Some of you are having a hard time with this, I know. I've had a hard time with it too. To finally say, I don't get my way anymore. I'm not in charge of my life anymore. Some of you are saying, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Or some of you are saying, if it's going to be, it's up to me. (laughs) Or you're saying, God helps those who help themselves. All of those are foolish flesh statements that are utterly false to the Christian walk. It requires that you die. It requires that you begin to think about yourself as being dead to all sin. That's why I say to you, I am not walking in any known sin. Sin for me to be sin must be voluntary. Sin, by definition, is lawlessness. It is choosing for myself what I want to be and what I want to do. And it is not a dependence on the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It is a dependence upon myself. so I come before the judgment bar of God and I say I did the best I could do and the Lord Jesus will say depart from me you worker of iniquity I don't know you oh but Jesus wait a minute I was able to accomplish all of these things for your kingdom I gave money I gave time I gave energy look I did all of this depart from me you worker of iniquity I don't even know you. How is that possible? See, a lot of you have a lot of religion. But you still have a snake spirit. You'll still strike out. You'll still accuse. You'll still judge. You'll still gossip. 
you'll still say, I can't trust God, not really. I have to do it. I remember when the house I was in a few years ago, just two years ago, went up on the market. I had to move. I prayed. And then I thought, you know what? I have to move. I confess this. So I started looking for a house. I couldn't find one. And then I found a beautiful house quite a way out. It would have been an ideal house for me. It was, it was stunningly beautiful. It was in my price range. I could do it. I prayed about it, and the Lord said no. I said no. Lord, I'd love that house. No. No. And then this townhouse came open. He said, apply. So I put in my application and discovered that there were three families going after this one townhouse. I said, Lord, you told me to apply. You know I don't want to live in a townhouse and I don't want to live in a community where I have people stuffed in around me. I want to live where I can have a garden. I want to live where I can have a little bit of freedom, where I can have a bird feeder, where I can see the deer, where the bear come down in my yard like they do here. And they called me and they said, Pastor, you've been approved for your townhouse that you've applied for. Okay. That's where I'm moving. You see, it's not about what I want. It's about what Jesus wants. It's not about what I think I need. It's about what Jesus thinks I need. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? We're so full of ourselves, and it's all about self. This is what must be crucified. Self must be crucified with Christ if we are going to be able to stand in that great day before that judgment bar of God and not be cast out into hell. You cannot live your life on your terms and expect to make it through the great judgment bar of God. Some of you think you can live on your terms and do what you want and everything is going to be fine. No, it will not be fine. I am not the one who directs my path. I'm not the one who chooses where I will live. I'm not the one who chooses any part of my life. It is chosen for me by God. Look at Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verses. There is a a metamorphosis that is required. There is a laying down of my life on the altar that I might live as a living martyr for Jesus Christ. 
I am not in charge of my life. I don't choose where I will live. I don't choose whom I will marry. I do not choose the car I drive. I do not choose the ministry that I am a part of. I don't choose whether I will be on this broadcast or not. I don't choose what I will say on this broadcast or not. I'm a man under authority. I'm a man under the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, Romans 12 tells us that if your life is not entirely on the altar of God, you will not be able to determine what his will is. And so people come to me and they say, Pastor, shall I do this or shall I do that? And I say, I don't know. You better go pray and ask Jesus. He'll tell you. I did and he doesn't answer. Oh, then you need to be crucified with Christ. You need to die to you. You need to be separated from your pride and your ego. You need to be separated from what you desire and say, Jesus, what do you want with me? I'm terrified for people who wake up every day and go about their life as though they're in charge of themselves, making their own choices, making their own decisions, never hearing from God. Because you're on the way to the judgment bar of God and you don't have much time. We are right now hearing the galloping horses of the apocalypse. Yesterday's broadcast, if you haven't listened to it, please listen to it. The Black Horse. We are coming to the very end of this age of grace upon the earth. And we are entering into an age of judgment. And whether you believe me or not, you are going to go to judgment and you will be held accountable for your sin. And if you have not been crucified with Christ, you will be cast into the fire of hell and you will be destroyed with much, much suffering. You don't get to decide if the judgment bar is real or not. You don't get to decide if hell is real or not. These are realities that are beyond your ability to control or handle or judge. They are because God said they are. You are not the creator of your own life. You are not the creator of reality. God is the creator of reality. And you will soon face the judgment bar of God. Are you ready? Are you ready? Almighty God, I come with a heart filled with, with dread in the presence of your righteousness. And I know without being transformed into your likeness, no man or woman will be able to successfully make it through that judgment bar 
without having been crucified with you and given up our pride and our arrogance and our lust for money and entertainment and all the stuff of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we will not make it through this great judgment day, but will be cast, tied hand and foot, and cast into the fire of hell with with great screams of anguish on our part and great screams of, of fear and terror. But that will not stop the action that you will have decreed against that sinner. Lord, please come. Please come and deal with your people. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I want to thank each one of you who has been in the name of Jesus by your offerings. You've been carrying this broadcast. This is is a broadcast, the work of the gospel of Jesus. And I thank you for walking with me. I could not do it without you. I could not do it without Jesus moving in your heart. Thank you. I love you. Jesus said, these are my family. Those who obeyed the word of God, those who who walked in the word of God. So thank you for what you are giving as your offering to Jesus. Write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to nationalprayerchapel.com and there you'll find you can give online. You'll also find a new radio outlet, an internet radio, revivalnow.church. God bless you, my brother and my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.